A man become preeminent, he is expected to have enthusiasms. 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 What am I? What draws my admiration? What is that which gives me joy? Baseball. October 5th, I am going to be doing the NFBC main event breakdown with Todd Whitestone. This is the final main event look of the year. We don't talk about Fab because there wasn't any. We just talk about the final in-season standings that Todd has been covering on SPStreamer.com. He's done a wonderful job keeping everyone in the loop of not only the Fab ads and the player movements and some drops, but also highlighting some of the best players in the world and what they have been doing well in the standings. So we get into that. We talk um, a little bit about the Yankees, Red Sox, and a little bit about the playoffs. Um, Yeah, we get into some good overarching uh, discussion about how our teams did and um, just how the season went and what could work out better next year um so uh, the season has ended so i know some people are getting ready to draft for next year some people might be in drafts uh there's dynasty leagues where the evaluation just keeps going um over and over so everyone could keep their head in the game a lot of people take a break which is more than more than acceptable of course uh you always get back into it when you're ready there's also some postseason. Um, it's a postseason holder on the NFBC that you can get involved with. It's pretty cool to have some multipliers for the rounds that you have the players in. You can head over there and check out the rules to see if you are interested in getting involved. Pretty cool. I tried it last year. It didn't do so well, but I think I'm going to jump back this year. It's um, pretty fun. But um sent a recent thread out on Twitter about you know the season and it coming to an end. And um, you know it was a pretty good year. And I'm glad I was able to... Uh, become uh, better in fantasy and learn from uh, either the slew of guests I have on or people that I play in the league with um, and friends, of course, that I talk to regularly about fantasy. So, um, and yeah, just uh, hopefully to carry and continue the success on to next year and be able to relay um, tips and advice to any of the listeners who can use it and make it actionable. So, um yeah, I just wanted to reiterate some some people that I uh, felt contributed in a large part um, to the year. So, um, to Phil Dassault and Steve Weimer and uh, Toby, and we have a uh, nice little chat, and we talk about, um, you know, um, player ads and um, just player evaluations, and uh, it's been pretty invaluable all year, so um, thank you guys for being able to bounce ideas off each other and, you know, and talk about it and have an outlet to talk about it, um, in depth and 
great. So Baseball HQ, they always have, you know, they were the, uh, my original starting point for really kind of falling in love with fantasy baseball. It was just a casual play before I read the baseball forecaster. And then I got hooked into learning analytics and, you know, the intri- intricate part of the game. So um, thanks for everyone there, Ryan Bloomfield, Ray Murphy, Brent Hershey, and uh, Ron Chandler for um, giving us the baseball forecaster and uh, just providing a great website for useful tools, actionable tools that teach you how to get better. They don't just tell you the, the right answers. They just teach you how to evolve your game. Um, so thanks to them. Uh, thanks to Rudy Gamble on Razzball. Rudy provides uh, an amazing projection tool. Um, very, very easy to approach and ask about how how it worked and what went into the process and uh, awesome getting onto the podcast this year he really got me um, interested in I heard a lot about the tool and the way he broke it down was instantly a subscriber and it helped throughout the whole year um, guiding me and you know making good decisions on a on a start sit basis or in fab in general Um, shout out to um, Bubba and Bathwip for always giving the best um, content and podcasts world um, just awesome content great great entertainment and just really 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 great people so um, thanks to the whole Rotowire family too Jeff Erickson Scott Jen's dad Fred Zinke Todd Zola uh, Jason Hallett, um guys do an awesome job on the podcast um, it's a weekly listen must listen for sure um, and provided me with a lot of inspiration to how uh, I wanted to do my podcast. Um, obviously, Eno Saris and Derek Van Riper, they continue to also set the bar for podcasting with uh, their weights and barrels. Um, Greg Jewett and Ryan Roof, they've um, been following all year for their bullpen insights and became good friends with them as well. And uh, they, you know, they do, they do a ton of great work for the bullpens and providing great insight on that all season long. Um, shout out to the SP streamer, Michael Simeone. Um, I think you're the hardest worker in the room, man. And uh, keep being you. Keep doing it. Keep getting at it. You're, you're, you're a superstar. And um, I learned a lot from watching you bust your ass all year. So cheers to you and everything you do for the SPStreamer.com family. Um, shout out to Jeff Zimmerman, um, Tanner Bell. Uh, you guys wrote a kick-ass kick-ass book called The Process and um, tons of stuff in there that I never even thought was possible to think of for fantasy baseball and it was uh, reading that um, has made me a way better player and uh, understanding uh, spreadsheets as Tanner helped me (laughs) understand SGP and how it works and how to work some things on Microsoft Excel and Jeff Zimmerman, Jeff you write the best uh, you lead the league in actionable articles, I'll say. You really um, give give everyone uh, good stuff to, that, that they can run with in, in terms of setting up for the week ahead or the year ahead, for sure. Um, I'd like to shout out Derek Rhodes, too, um, at Jack Fantasy. Um, you've really helped me to uh, understand Google Sheets and how they work. And you obviously had an excellent injury tool. And your best ball worksheets were just uh, well worth the price, for sure. Um, they're a star in this game, buddy. So, um, shout out to everyone at Fangraphs, too. Um, they're just 
a lot of great articles, but most importantly, uh, Jason Martinez, who did the lineup tracker. It was, I think I spent the most time looking at that than, than anything else. Uh, Dave McDonald and Jake Halisker, uh, shout out to you guys. You guys always had my back in the uh, early days when no one who I when no one knew who I was, and uh, I'll never forget that. Guys are awesome players and um, good people in the industry. Even though you haven't podcasted in a while, uh, I'll let you slide for that. Uh, Zach Roto, Zach Waxman, Mike Curland, um, guys also became good friends with and. Just keep being yourselves, keep shining, keep doing your thing, um, and lending to this community. Vlad Zedler, uh, Rotogut, awesome, awesome dude, um, who provides an awesome fab, uh, column every week that he doesn't have to share with the world, but he does, and he does a wonderful job, an awesome player too. Matty Wood, Matthew Davis, you're, you're a good dude, man, you're a non-stop worker, you're a great player. And um, thanks for always checking in with me when I wasn't doing so well. So, uh, yeah. Also, Maddie Modica and Mark Zuebro, uh Thank you for welcoming me into the the uh, the NFBC fam in March. Um, it was pretty good. Guys introduced me to a whole slew of, uh, of people that have been playing this game for as long as I've been born, basically. So, um, and you just really, really nice. Always welcome me. And, and uh, had nothing but uh, positive vibes to send my way. So appreciate that. Um, and Johnny, Johnny L, Johnny MLB Moving Averages, my Brooklyn, my Brooklyn twin. Um, you don't sleep uh, and you don't stop working. And I think that should inspire everyone to be a much better player in this game for sure. Um, so... Oh, I, I know I missed a ton of people, probably, but <laughs> like I, but uh, that's the the thick of it, including anyone that I talk to on the reg, um, through Twitter. Uh, if you're an analyst or if you're just someone who came to me with advice for fantasy, uh, you made the season worth it. Um, you made the season uh, so much more enjoyable to be able to uh, talk to you guys and. Um, you know, help you guys as well as you guys helping me. Um, I feel like uh, I learned a lot from people asking me questions every day. One more shout out to my tag team partner, Jenny Butler. You're savage in this game, and uh, I'm never getting into a draft room with you. Just on your team. Um, so, and one more thing I wanted to bring to the forefront is I recently met uh, Joe Morrow. Um, he's at Twitter at Big League Wood 44. Um, I met him in March. He told me that he was inspired by my podcast and that he was getting involved in the NFBC main event for the first time. He played some online championships and draft champions prior. So he um, told me that uh, the podcast inspired him to give the main event a shot, and he um, was doing well. We traded some some strategy on KDS and who to pick where and, you know, replacement value stuff. Just, he was really into it, his craft, and really into fantasy. And um, we talked throughout the year, and then toward the end of July, he had asked me to kind of take over and help manage his team because he 
cancer that he had in 2015 came back and he wasn't given much time to live so I of course um, helped him you know I was the only thing I could say would be yes so dedicated a bunch of time to try to help him get into first place in his main event he was in second when I helped him when I started helping him with his team and um, he had 104 points I got him to 108 but we actually slipped back a spot in the third place and um the reason we learned that Joe just passed away and um it sucks so I just wanted to uh let you guys know about the power of uh human interactions and um meeting new people you know I've only known him for a short time since March and I learned uh so much about his family and what he was about and uh he's just seemed like the ultimate dad. We just wanted to. It was a baseball dad, baseball family, three sons who played ball, and uh, that was his biggest concern. In the short time that I, that I knew Joe, he was a standout guy, and um, taught me taught me a lot about life. It's weird when you get to know someone so close, and um, you know that. Their time may be ending. It's one of the craziest things I've had to uh, go about in my life. But um, I'm great, very grateful I met him. He taught me a lot in a very short time. So I hope everyone can take that with them in some positive way. You know, make sure you don't take life for granted and, you know really love everyone that is loving you so with that being said let's uh we'll get into the podcast all right folks welcome back to the pull hitter podcast my name is rob DiPietro, the dead pull hitter i'm here with Todd Whitestone from SBStreamer.com. Todd, how are you doing today, buddy? Pretty good. I'm getting geared up for the playoffs. You know, I'm a Yankee fan, so I'm kind of on pins and needles for tonight. But um, looking forward to it. At least they made it in the dance. That's a, that's at least a good thing in my view. And it's just a lot of pressure because it's against our hated rival. That's all. Right. Absolutely. So you got your clean, crisp Yankee t-shirt on yes, and it sir. looks like the collar is all pulled out already. So you must be <laughs> you must be going nuts over there. Yeah. I mean, that's awesome. You know, everyone loves to see uh, playoff ball, you know, um, as a Mets fan, obviously you want to see them make playoffs, but it still doesn't diminish, um, you know, me watching the playoffs. Uh, right. Right. I, I feel like, um, uh, you know, I know people who are fans of teams and, you know, they, it, you know, they get to the point of the playoffs and they don't watch, they don't even know who won the world series. So I don't know if they really just like baseball or they just like the, you know, to be branded with a team. Um, uh-huh. I felt that with a lot of my, a lot of my life with my Yankee fan friends, a lot of them just, you know, stopped if the Yankees lost in the playoffs or didn't make it, which was never much in the, in the, in the nineties and two thousands, but well, still yeah, like, yeah. you know, they were completely shut baseball out once it's left. Um, I'm obviously not like that. I'm going to watch every single inning if I can, um, you know, because it, it's the best uh, playoff baseball. is awesome. 
Uh, last year, we were treated to, you know, Randy Orozarena going on a magical run. Oh so you always find these great things in the playoff that pop up. Uh, yeah. You know, I got a, uh, I got a, I got a draft going already, a slow draft champions draft that Zach Waxman from the Draft Champions podcast put together. Um, Outstanding. Team, yeah, I'm teaming up with Steve Weimer, so who was second overall this year in draft champions. Um, so, you know, I think he was okay doing it by himself, and I, I wasn't ready to do it, but I kind of wanted to get involved somehow. So, um, you know, we just said, hey, let's let's just do a team together. So um, we're, we're uh, you know, doing it on the fly sometimes in between picks, adjusting values and stuff like that. But who knows, you know, I still, still have to get into so much uh, postseason, um, you know, um, recap and looking at, you know, stats as a yeah, whole. Yeah, but, you know, we're trying our best. It's fun just to uh, – Yeah, sure. It's, it's helpful actually – I, I think it's helpful to do a draft because then even if you make a pick that you later regret, you, it sort of sharpens your uh, instinct for, oh, yeah, I really like this guy. I, I missed him. And I, I really uh, think he's, you know, a top 100 player or something, because uh, without the draft, it's hard to really focus and evaluate players sometimes. Right. And, and you know, we'll have biases that are stuck in our head because, oh, this guy right. pulled out a season with a red hot, you know, September, yes. or, you yes. know, this guy ended up as the closer. So does he stay fresh on a, on a drafter's mind, you know, as the, as the closer, you know, or did you do your research and, and look at, you know, free agent in the pen and arbitration and stuff like that. So it's really cool. So I'm excited to have playoff baseball going on with that. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm really interested to see this game. I mean, why wouldn't it be Yankees Red Sox, right? I mean, it's just fascinating. You get Cole on the mound. Um, no JD Martinez for the Red Sox. Christian Vasquez isn't starting either. So that's pretty um pretty fascinating. His I don't know if he was it like his a fall or just they just really like what Howeki's been doing behind the plate and at the bat, but um, interesting. But um, yeah, I'm excited, Todd. Playoff baseball. Um, give me your picks for tonight. Um, Yankees, obviously, you're going with. What about Dodgers Cardinals? You know, I on paper, you'd say the Dodgers are definitely going to win, and you got Max Scherzer, so how could that go wrong? But I don't think it's going to be an easy win. I could be in the way minority, but I think the Cardinals are kind of a good bet. Wainwright has been outstanding you know right and, and I think that a team like that Rob that sort of believes it and is better than what their stats or talent might indicate so right. I'm, I'm expecting a close game between the Cardinals and the Dodgers I'm expecting that the Cardinals have a better chance to win than the odds would give them um, right. certainly I'd pick the Dodgers if you said you got to pick somebody but um, it's one game, man. I mean, it, it could easily flip the other way. Right. And it's fascinating how the Dodgers are the favorites to win the World Series and they got to play know, the playing game. So it's pretty, it's pretty nuts. I think the Cardinals are, um, if I'm not mistaken, like plus 2,000 or, or more. I'm not, a, okay. I'm not a betting guy, but I, I just briefly looked at it this morning. I think it was 2,000, 2,700. So even like a $10 bet is a. Yeah, that'd be. I mean, I bet. wouldn't expect them to win <laughs> win the entire thing, but right. You know, but still, uh, I mean, it, you know, what does ten bucks get you if you just? Oh, have sure, 10 bucks sure, sure. Around, I mean, it's like it's worth you know. it's worth that. I'm not saying that, but I just would say, but to win one game, I think they were like plus one eighty just to win the one game. 
Right. And I, I got to believe that's a, a little inflated. I mean, I think, I think it was only it's... like three or four teams in the last 20 years that had the best record and won the World Series, if I'm not mistaken. Um, right. And that was before uh, some of them, a one game wild card. Right. Right. So, the, you know, one game wild card, even if they survive, they don't have Scherzer for four or five days. Right. Um, so, yeah, they got other good pitchers. They got other good players. But isn't Muncie hurt? Muncie is uh, hurt. Yeah, that's pretty sad. I mean, he, what a great year he had. You know, I was actually, you know, we're talking about, you know, doing a draft already. You know, it's it's pretty fascinating how when you when you're in the thick of the season, sometimes right. you just don't look at overall stats because you're just yeah. so stuck in the L14s and L7s, you know, and looking at, you know, little snapshots of, of weekly right. stats or, or you know right. like how has he been in the last you know 30 days or how's he doing versus selecties on the road and all this random shit and then you <laughs> and you peel back and you look at the overall stats like wow 36 homers and you know yeah, his, yeah, yeah. his k-rate went out like oh all this stuff that pops out and you're like wow like he, he'd been he'd been awesome so yeah that's gonna be a big blow for the dodgers um and um i had a question to ask you about cole so uh, when 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 is the point? Because I think the pen the pen has been really solid. Like I really love Clay Holmes. He's he's such a he's such a good pitcher. Um, yeah. where do you draw that point where you say if you're looking at Cole and he's struggling? Like, what's the point? Like, what does he have to be in? What kind of a mess to go out and pull Garrett Cole? Well, okay. I mean, are you talking about me or are you talking about Aaron Boone? I'm talking about you, not Aaron Boone. Okay, okay. You know, if it's Aaron me, <laughs> here, here's the situation, Rob, and you can watch for this tonight. Yeah. When he starts getting his fastball uh, in a bad location and it starts getting ripped, that's mm. when he's kind of losing enough, uh, you know, velocity or, you know, movement that he's really uh, in danger of being – uh, giving up a couple of homers. Right. And so it's sort of his fastball sort of flattens out a bit. And he's had that the, uh, maybe two out of the last four outings where he really hasn't been able to sort of get the movement that he used to usually gets. So I think that's the key for me is that he, he his breaking stuff is pretty reliable and he always throws fairly hard. But when his fastball just comes in straight as an arrow, and, and sometimes he leaves it in the middle of the plate. You know, major league hitters can hit a, a hard fastball. Right. And, you know, so the, and the Red Sox have guys that can do that. So I think that's what I'd watch for. And if it's in this, I think Boone will respond if it's in the uh, late sixth, seventh inning. I think he will take him out if that happens. But if it's in the third or fourth inning, I think he will stick with him and it might cost the Yankees if that happens. Hopefully that is not the case. Right. Um, Going to be interesting. I know that sometimes I think some of the games that I've caught, it seems like he had the first inning or two kind of yeah. blip, and then he just smooth sailing yeah, after yeah. that. Um, and I think a lot of the times it is what you said. It's just, just he, he, you know, and, and he was a guy that was highly – uh, scrutinized and focused on because of the spin stuff and obviously we know his you know oh his hand stuck to his hat and you know we we saw the you know uh the spin numbers that were extravagant and you know he kind of like went through a phase and I think this is where we underestimate you know uber competitive athletes and the top 
you know, players in the game. Obviously, you know, you're using a substance and you're bound to, you know, maybe regress. But I think we undervalued how some people would be able to say, okay, well, then I'll just do this and I'll figure it out. And, you know, we saw him go through a little tough stretch and then, you know, all of a sudden came back life um and then some people say oh you found a way to use something again or who knows or you know it's just i think we just underestimate how good these players are um and and you know kind of like the astros you know like oh cheaters cheaters they'll never be good again and now they're just they lead the you know league in every statistical offensive category especially contact and stuff like that and we just underestimate that you know that they're good besides you know having Yeah, Yeah, Altuve Altuve and Bregman are good hitters. You know, they 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 don't need to cheat to be able to hit a baseball. Um, Right. But uh, Cole, you're right. Danger spot is the first inning. That's usually not because obviously that he's tired. He's just maybe overthrowing a bit or whatever. But he can get hurt there, and then usually he's okay then until he starts tiring. So um, hopefully he gets through the first, and then. You know, it's just a matter of take him out in time before he gets, you know, really hurt by a, a bad fastball. Right. Right. Wow. So it's going to be awesome. Um, you yeah. know, I love, I love, I love the, you know, the, the challenges that playoff baseball brings to a coach and you know, obviously the ensuing, you know, um, decision-making uh, sure. arguments that you'll see, you know, across everyone. Oh, he shouldn't have took this guy out. Oh, he should have let well, this guy in. And everything if, just gets, you know, really, you know. Whoever loses in. the game tonight is going to be second guessed, no matter if they could have made the greatest baseball decisions all along the way. But, you know, I mean, that's just a given with Yankees and Red Sox. Uh, but, but, you know, I, Boone, Boone is a pretty good manager. I don't think, I don't always agree with him, but he, generally makes the right move in my opinion and uh i think cora is also very good right i think it's unlikely to come down to just a managerial decision it's more likely to be you know just players that don't perform for whatever reason you know and right that's that's the way it should be that's what's going to decide the game gonna be good stuff playoff baseball is here um pretty awesome See who will be Mr. October slash November this year. Right, <laughs> that's right. Yeah. So, all right. So the NFBC season is over. Um, Todd, we yes, we had a wonderful, uh, you know, article slash pod series that we brought to everyone. You really, you know, put out a lot of solid information out there that I think, um, you know, can bring into light, you know, how much goes into managing. Um, a main event team and also uh, you know the swings of of stats and of course the you know the players that are getting fabbed um, but right, right, this, right. this was obviously Phil Dussault's year um, <laughs> he you know uh, cheers to him um, and all his success this year was truly historic um, I saw some you know I saw some chatter about you know they were comparing seasons you know to to Lindy's and, right. and you know right. and um, you know I, I I didn't play any NFBC in 2009 I never you know played in the league with Lindy Hinkleman but um, and I know he's a fascinating player but just the sheer size of the player fields for both the main event I think right. 300 more players in the main and I believe 1800 more players in the online championship um just just those sheer numbers and i just think you know and i hear it on podcasts too you know jeff erickson and scott 
challenge that always mentioning every single show how much sharper the overall competition has gotten I in the agree, NFC, how much better players are. So yeah. to me, you know, I, I, I don't know that season. I wasn't around for it, but I mean, I'll, I have no shame in saying that it was the greatest season ever. And oh, it would yeah. be hard I to, think... you know, he won. So he came in first, came in third. He also had a 21st place team in the main event, won the auction overall championship was second in the cut line. Um, <laughs> I mean, not the cut line, the online championship. So online, pretty, yeah. pretty, um, pretty fascinated. All assets yeah. of the game. Um, he cashed in every single one of his 22 weeks, which is, that's, that's nuts. That's just fascinating, you know? Um, and he's a, a cool, cool, cool fucking dude. So cheers to him. I'm so glad, you know, I'm happy for him. So, um, and, 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 and like I told him, like, you know, it's obviously not something that you go to bed at night and say, well, I'm going to do this next year. Like, obviously that's your goal. And, you know, we all want to try to, but it does, like I told him, I was like, it does make a brother be able to dream, you know, like, wow, <laughs> it's like, wow. it's, it's, you could do it, you know, like, it, it at least gives you the, um, you know, maybe it's an illusion, but it's also like, you know, <laughs> firsthand, it's not some guy that I don't really know personally, you know, I talked to Phil every day and um, became close friends. So I, I, you know, it's cool to see that happening, you know, like right in front of you rather than from afar. So I guess yeah. when you see that, you're just like, oh, wow, like, you know, um, I got to do this, you know, so it just motivates me. So I think that's yeah, really yeah. cool. Well, I mean, I think it was the best fantasy baseball season of all time, even compared to the Lindy Hinkleman. In my view, I wasn't playing NFBC that year. Uh, I started a few years later, but, um, you know, the, the, the people in the leagues are much better now, much more educated. There used to be when I started, which was about seven years ago, I'm guessing, uh, used to be a few guys in every league that really didn't know the player pool that well. It wasn't like they were totally out of it, but, you know, they, they weren't really spending tons of time on it. But uh, now I don't think you find that. I mean, you one through 15, everybody is prepared and knows what's going on. And so these are tough leagues to just to win, you know. Um, so I agree. This is much harder. And I, I, I'm just very impressed with Phil's work. I mean, I, I hate to give him a swelled head because he's such a nice guy, but he did have a fantastic season. And, you know, I'm just give him all the props for doing so just very impressed. You know, I got to know him a little bit through uh, our conversations and, you know, real nice guy and uh, well-deserving, you know, he did this work and he, he stuck with his guns and I, I was against him in the auction, as you know, and yes, you know, uh, I thought I had a good team and I could blame it on, uh, you know, uh, losing a couple of key players, but he, the truth is he, he just beat me solidly. So Anyway, it was a great job. And before we move on, uh, Rob, I want to say that um, I do appreciate everybody uh, giving uh, you and I good feedback for the podcast and the articles. Uh, really meant a lot that people reached out and said they enjoyed the stuff. And, you know, we helped them a little bit by sort of putting it in perspective. Um, but I, I, I just feel like it was a really interesting year to write articles about the main event, not just because of Phil, but because a lot of the leagues were really close and well contested. Right. Absolutely. It was, um, 
I'm I'm happy too that you got great feedback because it was a it was a great idea um, that you had and uh, I'm glad we could tie it in and talk about it and I know there's a very limited you know um, you know uh, audience for the specific main event you know the guys right. who play in it or who may want to listen about it but I think it's cool for everyone who does play in it to be able to um hear about all the other things yeah. that are happening you know so um it's it's it's, it's great and um obviously like i think we mentioned on every show just being able to look at um you know you're constantly glancing at these teams and looking at maybe their rosters and how they put it together i think it just draws you to a better awareness of how to put together a better team and yeah. that's what was great about the nfbc is that the the data is there. Everything is able right. to, you know, to be looked at and to be absorbed. So if you, you know, um, obviously you're not going to copycat anybody or you're just going to say, oh, like, here's who he drafted last year. I'm going to draft these guys this year. You know, obviously that's not how you're going to win in no. fantasy, but it's more about team construction, right? It's more about right. what did this, you know, team do right? Did they build, you know, saves back end of the draft or they did go high on Hader and Hendricks, that type of thing. And yep. you can learn just by looking at those things because um, you'll be able to understand how to, you know, I think that's what I, you know, I tend to focus on in the off season podcast is just like game theory and roster construction, you know, you know, how are you beating other players without necessarily the player evaluation part? You know, like how yep. how do you construct it to the point where you're, you know, just really getting the best out of, you know, um, out of the market, whatever the draft board is giving you, you know, and I think exactly. that's huge. And that's, you know, paying attention to this and looking at teams who are in, in the tops and, you know, hey, you know, even take a look at the teams in the bottom. You know, obviously, sure. one thing that you mentioned in your article is 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 how how it's awesome, you know, that you know, in this league, because the entry fee is pretty decent that, you know, guys are, and girls are more prone to play through the end. Right. And, right. um, and I think that's crucial because you wrote too, like it does sway the competitive balance in the league. So if you have four or five people, like, you know, in other leagues, you may just have four or five, six teams completely out. They stopped making fab in May, exactly. on May 25th. It comes right. to Memorial Day and, and they get whacked and they realize that their team stink. And it's like, ah, I'm not going to, you know, pay attention. Forget it. They might forget so, it. And in another right. league, that might be true. But, but here in the main event, that doesn't really happen. And the 10th place team is out there trying to win fab bids. And I think that's great. I think it makes a competitive league and it makes it, a truer test. Right. Right. I know a lot of, you know, I know I talked to a lot of guys who, who, who were in that range, 10th, 11th, 9th, and, you know, and they're battling and you know what, it's a pride thing too. It's, you know, they they want to feel the best team and they understand that balance. They understand, uh, you know, that it just makes, um, a top heavy league when you don't put in your best and right. some, you know, some guys also to have uh, that want to be like, haha, like I, you're not getting the best fab guy this week. You know, I'm still gonna, you're <laughs> still gonna have to allocate your dollars smartly. Yeah. You know, I could, I'm still playing. Cause you could look at the top half of the league and just say, Oh, this guy has 200 left. This guy has 300. And you kind of like, even when the season dwindled down, it's, you know, you, this guy's got 18, this guy's got 21, this guy's got 15. Then you're like, oh, this guy in ninth, he has 
190, but he, you know, he had to make a bid since June 1st, but um, <laughs> that, that might be the week he does it, you know? Yeah, so, sure. He, yeah. he might, he might be, uh, be in for $140 <laughs> and we saw some of those bids late in the we year, did. you know, we where did. there were some big bids. And uh, so you can't just assume, well, I'm going to bid 24 and definitely get this guy. Right. Absolutely. So let's talk about some more of the teams that ended up in the top of the overall um, Emmett Ruin, sure. who, who was sandwiched in between Phil and so yeah. appropriately changed his team name to <laughs> not the robot. Uh, yes. yes. Uh, and then and then and then Emmett gave like one of the tweets of the year with how he <laughs> tried to distract tweet with, um, yes. with you know, robot porn. Um, robot it, porn it, yeah, just just so. That's very funny. So very cheers, funny. Cheers, Haruin. Not only um, you know, uh, a fantastic year playing, but just to really bring that um humor into it. it was cool yeah, that see. was great. That was great. Well, he had a great year also, of course. And uh, I, I forget the exact timing, Rob, but he it was sort of late in the year when he made his big move. He wasn't in the top twenty. I don't. I want to say up until the early part of June. I don't think he was in the top twenty. And then he really came on in late June, July, I believe. So he he was great. He, you know, in, in another year, I think he might have won the overall main event. Um, right. Right. And, and right. Um, I just wanted one of the things I wanted to um, note before I forget was that Phil for his league um, had one hundred and forty five points, which is ninety six point six seven percent. The highest ever in a league and his his overall which was 96.3 was the highest percentage of points ever scored in the main event okay okay which was pretty fascinating we're just reading about this in the forums the nfbc forums i got you Um, so his even and i think even emmett would have broken the percentage record yeah so um that's just he he had 143 right yeah, and I think even the overall, I think the, his his overall points might have even won, broke yeah, the maybe, the original yeah, overall competition. Uh, so it, it it it's pretty impressive. Yeah, amazing! It was amazing. So Emmett did a great job. Uh, Phil, as you mentioned, was also third, and um, and Tyler Young was fourth. And of course, we sometimes gloss over Tyler's year, but he had he had two teams in the top twenty and almost had three. His, uh, his, his third team was 22nd, I believe. So that was fantastic. And then um, fifth place went to uh, Brian Slack. Uh, he moved up from ninth to fifth over the last weekend, which is somewhat amazing, you know, to pick up that many points at the end. But he, he did, had another fantastic year, another great player. And he was, was able to win um, a couple of leagues, main events, and then also... Uh, finishing fifth in the overall is just a really solid job by Brian. Um, and then we had uh, in, in sixth place was um, a guy that caused me some problems uh, was Mark, uh, Mike Rothy. Um, mm-hmm. So he, he, he won a league that I was in and he, he had a dominant team as well. Um, and then, uh, and then Steven Japinka was, um, you know, he was seventh overall. Um, so that was another uh, great job by Steven. And then we had Alan Mitchell had two teams in the top 28th and 13th. You know, so there was there was a number of players, Andrew Geller, great, 
great player as well. He was ninth overall. Um, and, you know, yeah, just, I'm going to have Andrew on the show in a couple of weeks. We're going to go over great. his, great. yeah, a little bit of his process and, and, and how he was able to be so successful because he'd been pretty, pretty consistently good. Um, and, yep. and, I, you know, he made an effort to point out to me that, um, you know, I kind of left them out of, of, of the preseason prep when I was bringing on, you know, some, all the successful players. So uh, I owed it to him to uh, yeah, yeah. get He's, him on <laughs> this year. Yeah. 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 And you see, and if Brian, you can get Brian to come on, that would be great as well. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to try to get uh, Brian Slack and Chris Torres on at the same time because they uh, tied their, they tied their main event league. And yes. um, I would, I would like to hear, I'm going to try to do some of that, you know, bring on some like same guys and, you know, in leagues, you know, you know, that competed nice against idea. each other, you know, yeah, yeah, plus, yeah. plus Chris, Chris Torres was, you know, great story. Like he, he, I met him and he, we had a, he had a hundred followers and was, you know, talking about fantasy baseball and, and, you know, he wanted to get into writing and he sent me a couple of his things and it was just fascinating. And then he was able to start writing for Razball and, um, you know, he, he expressed his, you know, um, a desire to get into the main event and he you know just to be able to like really get in there and put your process forward and then tie a great player like brian slack in your first wow. shot like you wow. know cheers to him and just like it it, it it just goes to show you like if you have faith in in your process and 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 you trust yourself and you you know the only way you can know is by getting in it right and um i think it's it, it it's just great too because like you know if you put that's what I guess the best thing too is like if you put a lot of time and effort into fantasy baseball as it is, you know, you can make it, you know, a, a good side venture for yourself, you know? Yeah, sure. And so I'm happy for Chris and uh, I know Brian, um, you know, Brian didn't want to come on this uh, on the pod preseason because he didn't want to give away any secrets and that's perfectly fine. I, you know, I have a lot of people who, you know, who say yeah. that and that's totally, totally acceptable, obviously. Yeah, and, sure. um, but, but, Maybe he'll give us some post analysis because, you know, as we see in some of his spreadsheets that he um, puts out on his snapshots, um, I'd like to get a peek into some of the stats that he likes to um, comment on for us. You know, he he saves us with his uh, actually it was this, this and this, you know, anything we do wrong. He's like, what's the um, what's the show on ESPN? PN back in the day when like they would do the at the end they would just give them like what they said wrong brian slack is oh, our yeah. guy yeah pardon, pardon the interruption they yeah did, they tony reale used to do the do yeah, the yeah, breakdown yeah. of like what you said wrong yeah, and so was, yeah. brian slack is our guy for that but thank yeah, you brian for all year coming through in the clutch for uh well, you know he he obviously has some good secrets that he was keeping if he had this kind of a year so i i, right. I also don't blame him for not uh, giving anything away beforehand. That's, that's, uh, very true. Yeah. Um, so, sorry for that little side rant, but, um, that's okay. continue. Um, I, where were we at Mark, Mark at 10, Mark. Zerebro. Yeah. Mark, uh, Mark Cerebro, uh, finished 10th in a 10th place tie with Tyler Young's second team. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that was, uh, unusual to see a flat footed tie with so many points on the line. It, it was five, thousand four hundred ninety eight point five exactly that they both had yeah exactly um, so uh and then i'll just read the names of the t- other top 20 because i think they deserve it uh, chris urim was 12th alan mitchell as i mentioned his second team was 13th clark olson 14th he had a great year too he had i think three second place teams and a one first 
uh, in the main. Uh, Greg Martin, Joe Anthony, Abdul Madani had two teams in the top 20 at 14 and 19. Um, no, at 17 and 19, excuse me. Uh, Mark Northen was 18th, and Lawrence Schechter, who's a great player, been around for a long time. Uh, uh, he, he was 20th, and he's, um, he's another guy you don't want to run into if you can avoid it. Um, I know. Anyway, great, that's great the thing. guy. I know. I know I won't avoid Mark every year in New York. So, um, but you know, he just, he just had another, he's just such a force Mark. Obviously he's a gecko. He's a hall of famer. Um, he, he Mark plays Sweebo, like, yeah, 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 yeah. And, 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 and that's the thing. He, he comes with the heat, you know, he, he makes his presence known. Um, you know, I, yeah, yeah, I, I remember when I first got started in this venture and, and, and was peeking around Twitter and I said, wow, who is this guy? You know, he's really like to <laughs> poke people around and, and make these, you know, strong statements. And then, um, I actually got to talk to him the night before my very first main event in the short season. Um, you know, he, just made it known if anyone wants to chat to him about the, you know, and I said, Oh, talk to this guy. You know, he seemed to have a lot of success as I was looking on the website and he, yeah, he was sure. just so, so receptive and so welcome. And he, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, and he let me know, you know, you know, to welcome to the party. And, you know, like this was going to be um, a big, you know, um, challenge for me. And, um, you know, he's been great. And even when I met him yeah. in New York this year, he, you know, he was good. He introduced me to a lot of the uh, sure. the the all time uh, you know players of the game, and just oh. great to see. You know, he quietly had a phenomenal year by winning two. Oh, yeah, right. He he won two and came in third in in his other one, right? I believe. Yeah, so. he was he was not so quiet about it as far as I was concerned. <laughs> yeah, he was he was, and and he didn't start out all that well as I I recall. Rob, he he was a little down the uh, the, the standings in in a at least two of those three main events. Right. In the one that we were in together, he was um, in the eighties, I think about 10 weeks back and just surged up. Cause I remember there was. um, He just kept working and and getting, making good pickups. And (laughs) yeah. 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 I, I very impressed with his as, as usual, cause he's usually at the main event drafts that are live in New York. So I've seen him uh, obviously before and he's, He's just a good solid player. You're not going to beat him easily. And what I was thinking about, Rob, was, you know, you say to yourself as you go down this top 20 list, geez, these are all good players. Maybe maybe I should try to avoid some of these guys in uh, future drafts. And then you realize there's no way to avoid all these guys. (laughs) No, you can't avoid all of them, but you can avoid as much as you can. You know, it's just at some point, you know, you're you're going to, you know, uh, be in a room. And in any draft with, with, you know, I just try to avoid friends, you know, as much as I can. Obviously in that live draft, there's no way to go, but you know, if I'm doing an online draft, you know, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, um, if guys are, unless we're just like all like the battle of the podcast, which obviously we're all friends. We talk to each other and well, we're just like, Oh, you know, let's yeah. just all play against each other, which was cool. Yeah, yeah. You know, but um, you can't do a lot of those, you know, like a couple, no, you know, no. Bubba, you know, um, well, Bench with Bubba, he he put together like 10, $10 best balls, you know, that we, you know, that you can do multiple of those to well, like, that's different. I'm because those are better that. too. Instead of doing a mock draft, you know, you could do a $10 best ball yeah, league and, just, and actually, you know, like come away with money and just feel like it, you put more effort into that. But getting yeah. back to a mark from week three, all the way to week 16, he was in the 60s. And then he hit a jump to 71. And then two weeks later, 82 and a half. 
And then three weeks later, 97 and a half. And then they end up at 101 and a half. So it's like he chipped away a little bit, a little bit. And then yeah. there's one, you know, two weeks where he makes a 15 point uh, leap. And uh, I feel like that's, um, you know, part of like when you put together uh, a plan to attack certain, right. you know, categories. This happened. My second main event was, um, you know, I was extremely ahead in K's and I just went to like a, a full reliever approach and, um, you know, chipped away, chipped away, got closer and closer. And then when I put in eight, eight of them or nine of them, you know, you're just like, whoa, you know, and I was, I was 13 in the league and save. And I ended up uh, almost catching the first place guy. So it's like, you know, uh, you could put together a little, you know, little plan to get and make the leap of yeah. um, a point. And then all of a sudden, one week, you get them all, you know, and you can easily lose them, um, like in the last, you know, in the last week of our league. Um, oh, yeah, we, we just, had, we had terrifying. Where, where people lost, you know, leads or other guys passed them probably more accurately, other guys moved up. And uh, it's, it can happen very late in the year, we can go through a few of the leagues, and just say but it's it's in the article if people want to read if they haven't taken a look uh which leagues there was just somebody that passed over the last three days over the weekend right ah just such a such a cool thing to really review and talk about but um yeah i mean it's the last three days were nerve-wracking todd i i was i was (laughs) I mean, I chewed all my nails off. I mean, it was it was crazy because Friday night was bad. I went to bed Friday night early because I was miserable. I was like, I'm going to lose this league. I totally felt it, you know, like, and then Saturday was much better. Saturday gave me a lot of hope, um, <laughs> you know, yeah. it, it, it's just, it was, it was, but it's just, you know, one day, one night of games can really sour your mood. And I was, I, I was completely like, man, like I, I, I'm not going to win this league and that's fine. You know I mean? It's not the, you know, the, well, the end yeah. all, but, but, but still it's, it's, uh, you know, after all that time and effort, you know, you want to be, know, be able I to know, close it out. And on Sunday, on Sunday, I got a huge win from, from Aaron Bummer. He, you know, he was a guy I picked up to for some okay. ratios and, and, you know, a possible, a possible win, you know, if they were going to start resting a little bit of their, you know, of their starters and Michael Kopech was another guy I scooped up in that last week. Um, another guy was, I picked up the whole White Sox bullpen, actually crochet Kopech and Bumber. <laughs> and I feel okay, like, okay. I felt like they were going to get their starters, you know, four or five innings. And um, those guys yeah. were going to come in and Kopech gave me a wonderful three inning, you know, six, six K's, I think, but it's also terrorizing when, <laughs> when, you know, you, you, your ratios are close to other teams, and you're like, man, you just have that feeling yeah, inside. Like just Michael Kopech, lines can make right. a difference. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, <laughs> right, well, right. So, well, um, one thing I would say, uh, this is maybe a little off topic, but but building on what you were saying, there's going to be a year, Rob, where over the last few days you lose a league. I mean, you oh, I know. Accept that. So, so it's not because the process was bad. It's not because you made a stupid call. Sometimes. The players just don't perform the way you think they they could. We had uh, James Anderson and I in our in the online league we did really well in. We had Joe Ryan pitching on was it Wednesday or something? And right. He just, Off the bereavement list, right? Yeah, he had 
it was pitching against um, Detroit, which was not a bad matchup. And he had three and a third innings of uh, he'd only given up one run. And then all of a sudden he just completely blew up. He gave up five more runs, didn't get almost any other outs. And uh, it really crushed us back a few spots. And I don't think there was anything wrong with pitching Joe Ryan there, you know, right. or, or, or having him active. So I, I just feel like you can't, if possible, you can't just say, well, this is, this is all on me. I made some really stupid calls. It's just, it's just baseball. It's why we love it. And sometimes it's just going to turn against you. One of the, one of the stats that was kind of close um, and that um, Mike Mager, is it Mager or Major? Mager? I think it's Major. Major. Okay. Um, so, he, you know, he was battling a second and first, but we were going back and forth. And one of the stats uh, that was really close was stolen bases. And he um, made a play to, you know, uh, you know, throw some extra on his team. So he, he picked up guys like Billy Hamilton, you know, to try to sneak in and, and get some stolen bases. So we ended up tied. At Stone, you know, with 109, and it was just like a battle all week. But would you know that, Todd, in the last week, and and, and it's funny because, um, you know, just sometimes when the lineup gets set on Monday and you realize maybe a, a player you're anticipating three games with, you know, might 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 just get two. So, you know, you kind of have to do some reaching around. And one of the players that I, I was like kind of looking at having one on the bench was Nick Gordon, who um, – Sure. You know, was just playing against lefties every day. And then he sat the first day like, oh, man. So Hunter Dozier had four games that yep. week and average was also very close. It was like two, five, seven, four to, to like two, five, seven, two. You know, and I'm like, oh, my God. But, I, you know, I looked at the schedule and then I just looked to in general how he was just he'd been he's just been on fire. Right. Like, like uh, not on fire on fire, but you'd be surprised if you looked at his last, you know, you know, 30, 45 days, um, yeah, just hitting the ball well. And would you know he hit, yes, that he, he stole well. two out of his five bases this <laughs> week? And, you know, just it's just amazing. It's just those things, you yeah, know, yeah. like, you know, the Royals were aggressive um, and, and and it's just like, OK, it's an aggressive team. And he, you know, I read in an article um, that he was starting to feel more comfortable with, you know, with with himself at the bat, but also in terms of sliding at first because of his thumb injury. So, uh, you know, he, he started to steal at the end of the year a little bit. He picked up, you know, like four of his five after, I think, August 1st, you know, and it's just mm -hmm. uh, it's just crazy how the most unexpected sources will, will exactly. get, you know, bring you what you need. You would so. think that Nick Gordon, who's one of the fastest guys in the league and was, he was actually running for a while, maybe with the last, with two weeks to go, he was starting to run. You would think he'd be the much better bet to get you stolen bases, but you know, he, he kind of stopped stealing right mm. at the very end and uh, got also guys like Leody Tavares and Andres Jimenez who were big stolen base threats and who were playing basically didn't provide any stolen bases. Right. And so you just, can't, sometimes you just can't tell. And it, it might've been a good play, but for whatever reason, they weren't running and they didn't help anybody in stolen bases down the stretch. Hi, Todd. We just had a pick in my uh, slow draft draft champion. I'm going to give you the player. You guess what pick he went. Okay. 
The player, okay. He's a little impromptu. Uh, Luke okay. Voigt. Luke Voigt. Oh, okay. Well, I personally like Luke Voigt, but I'm not going to let that influence me. He he might actually not be on the Yankees next year. I mean, I think, True. right? Uh, you know, I think with Rizzo, they're they're going to commit to Rizzo and try to uh, sign him. But anyway, because right, I talk. took we took Rizzo, me and Steve, at like one sixty. Uh, Pick one sixty. Okay, okay, okay. Okay, so so Voigt should have been around, I would say 260. 260. Okay, 236, 236. All right. See, you're ready for drafting season, Todd. Get back in it. I know because he, look, if he gets a regular playing time, he's going to hit home runs. I mean, I have no doubt about that. He has good bat to ball skills. So you want to guess where Bobby Witt went? Bobby Witt. People love to draft the rookies. I mean, (laughs) <laughs> I think you're gonna. I think you're gonna fall head over your heels for this one. All right. Well, he's got to be a top 100 pick. I think he's probably like pick 85. He won pick 50. Oh, <laughs> that's gonna be too rich for me. I believe. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that's, just you know, obviously the lesson that everyone learned from Kelnick this year, you know, who was going in the 200s, 180s in some draft, you know, draft champions, early draft champions, you know, this yeah, is the yeah, first yeah. draft champions and with going to 50. So it's pretty well, Apparently not, not everybody learned that, that lesson. Yeah. I mean, listen, it's, it's, uh, you know, I guess, I guess when you're playing for that overall, like the urge yeah, is sure. to, you know, to be splashy and get that upside. And that's yeah, totally sure. fine. It's totally fine. But um, it's just like you said, too rich for me. Uh, too I, rich uh, for me, yeah, 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 that's great. That's great. Okay, sorry to get sidetracked there. Just uh, right. I, I figured we'd throw in something impromptu. Yeah, yeah, fine. That's good. That's good. Um, okay, so, so we went over a little bit of the top twenty. Um, you want to get into? Uh, want to highlight a couple of the leagues that you uh, that, yeah, sure. that you were kind of monitoring, and you're like, oh wow, like this was a great ending. Um, I I mentioned the one I was talking about with Chris Torres and and Slack that came to a tie, and I think there was one other one that really caught my eye, which was League fourteen eighty, um, and that was with Jason Anthony. Um, said he was five points behind with three right, days. With three days remaining, and wow. he not only did he win, but he had a six-point lead at the finish. So he, he actually <laughs> he actually moved eleven points in his favor over the last three days. And this was against Casey Char, who, if people don't know, I mean, he's one of the best players ever. Um, so you know, I just was totally amazed by that. Um, turn around and just as you and I don't think all those points can swing right in the way I wouldn't have even even if I had sat down with a pencil and paper and said okay what could happen and started adding numbers and said can I possibly get to an 11 point swing with three days left you would say that's pretty tough to do but I this happened so I mean it's certainly amazing um there were two ties as you kind of alluded to um Let's see if I can uh, find them. One was the Torres and, um, and mm-hmm. Slack League, right? So um, let's see if I can locate the other one. Uh, I don't know if I can find it. Find it so quickly. They're they're in here, um, but there. Were, anyway, I'll just leave it at that. There were there were two two dead heats, which um, you know I, I think is really somewhat amazing that things were that close near the end. Um, there was a, 
another league, I think I, so then there was a league where, where Douglas Roth, uh, he had a small lead over John Posma. Uh, Posma is obviously outstanding player. It was yes. 3.5 with seven points, seven days left. And it went down to two with three days to go, but Douglas Roth held on. So he was able to win by a 3.5 point margin. Uh, there was the Dave Smith league. He, he just held on to beat Rick Davis with two, a 2.0 lead. And here was the first dead heat, Samuel Horton and Lenny DeVeglio. Uh, Sam had a 1.5 point lead with three, three days left, but Lenny caught him and tied him up. Um, and then the Mark Strebo, uh, one of his other leagues, not the one you were in. And congratulations, by the way, Rob, on winning your main event. I forgot to mention that. Thank um, you, Todd. Uh, you certainly deserve that. Um, in 14, I'm going to attribute it all to my quick picking. Yes, yes. You threw me off with the quick picking, and uh, that was it. Because so, if you're if you're right next. Me again, are you gonna like just throw on some headphones and be like, Rob's not here? <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'll tell you what, I'm gonna try not to pick the, my first three players to get injured for most of the season. That's right, right, right. That's that was huge. the uh, Acuna, uh, uh, Glass now, Kershaw start that really, uh, really didn't work out. Uh, let me just say that, right? Um, right, so uh, let's see, Mark's Rebro. He saw his edge cut to 5.0 by Matthew Shepard with a week remaining, pushed it back to a nine-point edge. And then even though Matthew closed, you know, further, uh, he, he still couldn't get within more, closer than five. Um, right. Then there was the league where Jen, Jeff Mitseff uh, edged out Jenny Butler and Scott Wagoner. Jenny uh, Butler, my tag yes. team partner. Yeah, Jenny did a great job. She ended up second. She she had been in third for a little while, but um, she managed to climb over Scott Wagner and be second. So that was a mm -hmm. great job by her. Oh, here was the Mark Strebo League. I was trying to, he had a 15.5 point lead. And we know how great of a player Mark Strebo is. Um, he had a 15.5 point lead over Greg Lathrop and 16 over Joseph Morrow. Um, but then it went down to 10 and 11. And then with three days left, Lathrop was only 0.5 points back. And then over the weekend, it ended up 0.5 points, exactly the same. Mark was able to win. Um, so that was a, a fantastic win. Um, Paul Sporer, he, was, he, had, he had a lead and it kept shrinking and shrinking. And he was sending out worried tweets. And he ended up uh, winning. Let's see, what was the final margin? But two uh, points. Two, yeah. So yeah. that was that was unbelievable. I'll just mention one more. Um, with a week to go, Bradley Beckman led fifteen thirty-five. He he repassed Kevin Grady after Kevin Grady passed him. He had a one point five point lead over John Posma, and then um, Beckman came back um, and and passed uh, everybody again. And Kevin Grady came back. Uh, to take third place after dropping to fourth. So really, it just proved to me what you and I had been saying, which is it's kind of amazing that the points that can shift at the last moment, because it's not just what your team does, it's what the other teams are doing. And then in the categories like WHIP and ERA, where you look, you look at it and you say, well, it's, 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 
pretty distant, probably nothing's going to happen. And then somebody can have a bad pitching outing or even a really good one, and it can change significantly. Right. Yeah, it's fascinating. Fascinating stuff. And again, Todd, thanks to you for, you know, bringing it to um, everyone's head, you know, bringing uh, this everything that's been happening in the in the movements and it, it's really cool i think um it's uh it's awesome i so enjoy you, doing it thank hope you, you continue uh, to do it next year um would you or are you are you gonna stick to main event would you might open it up to online championship too or is it too much going yeah. on in that i thought i thought about that but you know the online has 2388 teams this year and there's just no way you can cover that effectively um right you know, the main event is probably going to grow, too. So that's going to be a challenge. I don't know if I can cover it the same way, to be honest with you. I, I tried to, you know, cover each league a little bit. And th that might be too daunting. But I, I think I could stick with the main event and try to cover it in some overall way, like with the fab. I think that was interesting for people to follow, um, even if I can't get to each league in the same way. Um, right. I think that's probably where I'll end up. The online is just too, it's too daunting, Rob. It's just too many uh, teams to even uh, take a shot at. I absolutely agree. Too many teams, but you could stick to the main event and um, it definitely will be more than well enough. So how did you end up doing in, in, in your other league that we don't play in? All right, so I, I was in three main events. The one that was with you where I drafted poorly in the first three rounds. And then um, James Anderson and I were in the, together in the other two, and we finished fourth in one, just a point and a half out of the money. And we were able to get third in the, in the other one, which uh, was, uh, we were quite happy with. Um, it, we, were, we were as high as uh, second, I believe, early in the year, and we, we had dropped down to fourth, fifth, but we managed to stay in third. And so that was good, to, you know, cash in that. And uh, I thought we had a good, solid team. And that was about what we deserved, third place in that league. And then nice. and I will mention, the, you know, I tweeted this out, but James and I, the big win for us was finishing eighth overall in the, in the online championship. That was, uh, we had a fantastic hitting squad that we were able to put together. The pitching was, was good, but not great but the hitting was just so solid. Um, so we were quite pleased, obviously, 2,388 teams to be eighth is, uh, is quite something. We were behind some really outstanding players and uh, that was, neither of us had ever finished that high in an overall competition. And that was quite, uh, quite something to achieve. I'm very, very proud of that. Yeah, that's a, an awesome finish, Todd. Eighth overall at, I think, over 2,300, right? 2388 teams. Yeah, that's, uh, that's uh, fairly, fairly good. So we were, we were happy about that. And um, so, so we, you said you had a good um, offensive team that was what carried yeah. you most of the team. What was your, um, do you remember what, what your biggest picks were? Well, draft? we had Vlad, of course, in mm, that league. Um, nice. we, we, we also had um, uh, picked up Joey Votto in during the season. We picked up, uh, Tyler O'Neill, who, who everybody knows, went went crazy towards the end, and then uh, we had guys that just were, were solid all the way around. We had uh, Tommy Edmond, mm -hmm. and we had Buster Posey, who had a really good year. 
Um, so yeah, just a, just a solid team from top to bottom. All the hitters oh, yeah. uh, so did well. Trey Turner, Austin Trey Riley, Turner was our first round pick. Yeah, yeah. he was great. Um, Brandon Lau, nice. It's a good team. Really good team. Yeah, the hitting. I think we were we were like tenth overall just on hitting alone. Nice. And so that was that was quite something. So James and I were like, we were after the night it ended, we were like. Now, how can we do this again? How, what did we do? <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, how much do you, um, like, how much do you get into your team review? Like, how, how in-depth do you get? Are you just like, oh, okay, I won. I'll no, do it. No, we, I'll do it again next year. You, yeah. We look, we, we're trying to figure out what, what things to take away. But I'll tell you what worked best for us uh, this year, as opposed to previous years, Rob, which I think something you already knew. But um, in previous years, we would look for value among players that might drop that we thought were good. I mean, I'm not we're not talking about taking a player that we thought was lousy, um, but a guy would be, you know, 15 picks passes a DP and we would say, oh, this guy, he could be really helpful. And look, we're getting him at a bargain. And, and instead, we the past year, we said, no, here's the guys we really like we're trying to get as many of those guys as we can. Right. And I, th I think that's the right way to do it. And not, not to say, okay, uh, this guy, all of a sudden he's, he's, he's a bargain. So let's just grab him, even though we had no plans to get him. Right. Very interesting. Um, I got to do some more online championship next year. I did one this year and it drafted on 331, which is the night before the season yeah, started. Yeah. So that was when I originally had my second main event lined up for. Um, and I actually switched it to Saturday, um, the 27th. So right. then I had that 31st, you know, kind of just freed up. Um, and then after, uh, I, I think I was just, on the 30th i was like ah, let me just do a 12 team <laughs> you know i just like <laughs> threw it out there i didn't really um do too much you were way up there in the beginning of the uh, year you were way oh, up i there. know i know i was like i'm gonna do 12s all year like, <laughs> i'm gonna do all the 12s next year um you know i i i came in second in my league but definitely was i definitely yeah i definitely didn't transition well enough with um valuing moves you know the ads yeah. of the replacement players in 12 leagues and also i had four good closers and i feel like i didn't move off of one of them enough earlier uh -huh. to like rotate other guys on my team so yeah. i kept them around too long and okay. um so those are the things that like stick out in my head i'm gonna do a little bit of a deeper dive i i don't like to do too much of a deeper dive into my team uh -huh. because i just feel like things change so much right, next year. Right. You, can't, you can't get wedded to a couple of players That's right not right Right. Or say, oh, I picked, you know, shortstop and third base. That's what I'm going to do nah, again. Like, yeah. you know, like that's all going to change in exactly. the dynamics of the league. But, um, you know, for what I put into um, uh, time wise and prepping for a 12 team league, I'm, I'm pretty happy, you know, and next yeah, year yeah. I, I definitely going to Good make well. it an effort to. Um, so like I kind of wanted to do my 15 teamers first and just kind of get that out of the way. That's good. But That's good. Maybe I'll do the 12 first, but um Jeff Zimmerman just put out a great article on fan graphs where he shows the the you know the 
the stack you can accumulate from a, a 12 team league and a 15 team league off guys off the wire. And, um, you know, there's more stuff in the process oh, his sure. book with Tanner Bell, where I have to really read into the, you know, the 12 round and 15 round difference. Like I said, I didn't, I have to put more time into that. Uh, like I said, it was just a whim. Basically, I was like, oh, well, now what am I going to well, do? Yeah, well. like, what am I going to do on this night when everyone else is <laughs> drafting? And I'm just, you know, I'm like, so that's why I jumped into the 12. But yeah, next year, I'm going to put some more more effort into that for sure. You knew the player pool, so that helped a lot. But, but right, I I'm going to put more time into that and, and, and take a cut line. I, I, I didn't really, I didn't enjoy it as much as I thought I would. Yeah, I've never done that one. That's that's a whole different kettle of fish. The one thing I've learned about the 12s compared to the 15s is you have to make more moves in the 12s. You can't you can't worry about dropping a guy that might he might turn out to be good, um, but you got to keep churning a little more. In the 15s, that's not really true. Uh, hopefully, especially if you have a really decent base. But the 12s, you, you can't be afraid of dropping a guy when he might be valuable later on. If you think player A is better than player B, you just got to drop player B. Um, so that's the one thing I've picked up. There's, there's no magic formula, but um, right. you know that's the, that's the key difference because the waiver wire is much more available in a 12-team league. Right. And I think I went, I think I went too high on a couple of ads where I could have just, yeah. you know, kind of spread it out a little, not like super duper high, you know, I, I, they weren't as big as my main event ad that I like my highest main event ad, but still, I feel like there were guys that I probably like in the 90, 80 range where, you know, maybe I won by like 50, 60 bucks where I probably right, right. got a little too hyped up in my head. Yeah, maybe, but ads, I mean, so. with a different set of uh, team uh, league opponents, maybe you would have won by 10 bucks. You know, you don't know. Um, right. You can't just assume that was a wrong bid. Um, it, you'll find it, the more you play main events, Rob, that uh, each league is its own dynamic. And sometimes people don't bid very aggressively. And then sometimes they, they, they go out no holds barred at the beginning of the year. Right. Absolutely. For sure. Um, so something you have here at the end of your, your article yes. is you developed a little point system yes. um, for winning a main coming in second and coming in third. So I'll right. let you read out the list of. Yes. Uh, so, so I, I, I was talking to Greg Ambrosius of NFBC and I said, you know, it would be great to invite, some of the top main event players to a special main event league next year. And he said, well, they would, they would consider it. Um, you know, and I said, you, you know, not everybody's probably going to say yes, because it's going to be a very difficult league, but um, it would be certainly attractive, a lot of attention if you had some of the best players all in one league. And, um, and I, I said, I can give you a point system for seeing how people did in the main event from this year. And this was my attempt give, three points for somebody that won the league, two points for somebody that finished second and one point for a third. And uh, there were three players that earned nine points. Uh, Phil Dussault, Tyler Young, and Clark Olson all had nine points. Uh, Abdul Madani had eight. Uh, Mark Cerebro had seven. Uh, so that's now we're up to five players. Brian Slack, 6.5. 
Alan Mitchell, Andrew Geller, and Dave Chauvin had six points total. Uh, then we had Dalton Del Don, Jeff Mitzeft, Stephen Japinka, and John Posma with five. And then Samuel Horton had four and a half. So those are 14 players. It, could you imagine, Rob, if there was a league with these uh, 14 of these players were in the same league and, and another good player with the 15th spot? That would be unbelievable. I mean, right. I would, I would almost pay money to see the draft of that one. Right. Um, uh, so I don't know if it'll happen. I mean, I think Greg might uh, send invitations out uh, to these people and see if they would be willing. But um, either way, I think it just shows how great of a year these 14 guys had. And I'm just very impressed that even under the, among the strongest of competition, uh, these guys were able to rise above and just win or place in most of the leagues that they participated in. I mean, even beyond Phil, who was amazing, Tyler won all three leagues he was in. Clark uh, placed in, I think, all the leagues he was in almost. Maybe he had one that he didn't. And then um, Abdul was in two top 10 league, two top 20 overall. So was Alan Mitchell. Just amazing. Anyway, these, these are 14 of the best. I can just say that based on 2021. Right. Awesome. Good stuff. Yeah. And it's just um, uh, Hall of Famers and NFPC Hall of Famers sprinkled in there. You know, you got uh, well-known analysts too, Dave um, and Dalton Del Don, you know, they, yeah. they're, they're, you know, they're writing for, you know, Yahoo Sports. And I think Dave writes for NBC Sports Edge, right? Um, so yeah. um, just, you know, Really, um, good players, good analysts, uh, who are good players. It's just fascinating. And then, you know, get the, like I said, the Hall of Famers, Stephen, Pinka, uh, John Paul's my mark. Just, uh, oh, it's yeah, really yeah. cool to see just a uh, strong list of names. And, um, you know, just give us, uh, it gives us, uh, the motivation and the inspiration to get to that level yeah. for sure. You know, these guys are all great. I mean, they're all, they're all outstanding players. And I would, I would just say that there would, there would not be one pick that would not be uh, that, that any of these guys would be unprepared for. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. So is there anything else you wanted to cover in the, in the, in our main event chat? Not the main event. I have, I have a, I promised uh, Phil that I would give a, a story time because I know he likes that. And uh, I tried to think of a really good story that would uh, that would mean something to him. So I, I can go into that now if you want, or you can. Yeah, yeah. First, first, I wanted to play you a song that that you okay. know I think this should be Phil's theme song. I haven't approached him with it yet, but it's from uh, a show that uh, that used to be on HBO called Flight of the Concords. Gotcha. I don't know if you've. I don't no, know if you've no, ever heard no. of that or, or watched no. it. So it's pretty cool. It's two it's two guys who move from New Zealand to New York and you know they play music and um you know they just it shows their life of them, you know, going to get gigs and you know, meeting people and and women and you know uh, fans and all that stuff. But they're they're really quirky and they make videos. So like the songs they're making in the show, they become like videos on the show. Uh -huh. And it's uh -huh. really like it's really funny. It's really, you know, um, you know, twisted stuff. Like it's, uh, it's, it's funny, but they have this song called robots. And, um, 
I figured I'd play it for you, and you tell me if you like it or not. Okay. Can you hear it? Perfect. Can you hear it? No. that the humans are dead i like it i like it <laughs> no it's funny because when i use gifts sometimes to him gift jeff i i forget how to say it but um you know they have one for the show and it's it's you know the humans are dead and uh, i just think it's funny because uh <laughs> it makes me laugh you know but anyway i figured i'd play that uh, i always good. uh i always have it in my head when uh you know i don't yeah. think he even knows what the gifts are when i send it to him but um uh, I, I think that should be when, when when Phil walks into the draft room in March next year, they should play that. As absolutely. Absolutely. I'm 100% going to get Greg to, yes. you know, get, I want to know too. I like, got, uh, you know, I, <laughs> I, I have some stuff in store. I'm hope, I hope I can make myself part of the, um, the, <laughs> the introductory, uh, you know, the, the, whatever the plaque, presentation or whatever they're yes. going to give to Phil. Yes. Um, I, I want to be a part of it because I, I have some things I think that could really make it fun and, and really, uh, and really bring a smile. Yeah. yeah. You, you need to be a part of the ceremony. Right. Right. I can't get Carrie Underwood to come out and <laughs> <laughs> I know that would be his dream, but um, you know, we'll, I can do something close to it, I think. So, uh, well, I, but I, yeah, I, we'll I, play I, that song for him. Okay. That song should be played. And then, uh, Phil should know that uh, the Olympic torch should, is involved with uh, all NFT <laughs> presentation. So, right. uh, so someone will run in with the torch so that it looks uh, completely official. Um, but yeah, that's a good song. That's a good song for Phil. I, I think he, he, he definitely should walk into the room with that. <laughs> uh, all right so let's get into your story i know um phil loves the uh okay, the stories so. and he he calls it you know story time with uncle todd so <laughs> let's let's see what you got todd okay so this one i thought of this one rob because it's a little longer story i apologize uh, people can uh move on if they don't like these but but you know phil has three very young children um so i want him not to make the same mistake that I made. I, I have had two kids. They're grown now. Um, my daughter, Erica, um, you know, I, I kind of taught her uh, to be sassy without really meaning to, because I would give her a hard time. And then she would give me a hard time back, which is totally deserved, right? But so I sort of <laughs> encourage, I encourage this behavior is what I'm trying to say. Mm -hmm. And so the, I'm giving the, 
the ending at the beginning, which is don't don't make your daughter or son into a SAS person because it doesn't turn out well for you. So anyway, this goes back to a summer many years ago uh, when it was take your kid to work uh, day. And it, uh, so it was summer. Um, she was about seven years old. So just a little kid, you know, with the curls and red ribbons in her hair. And, you know, <laughs> it was at my workplace, which I worked at for a downtown New York City company, a financial district. And so we brought her in and I was bringing her back from, uh, you know, the lunchroom where I got her some stuff from the cafeteria to eat. And we're walking down the hall and who comes up? but the human resources person that worked with me on the recruitment uh, campaign to get MBAs. And uh, so, you know, she, she, I worked with her quite a bit. So she ran up to us in the hallway and, and she could talk, Rob, she could talk a mile a minute. Right. So, <laughs> so she, she launches into this long thing and she's talking to Erica and people are starting to gather around. She's talking to Erica and she says, oh, you know, um, uh, she's worked with me for such a long time. I was so helpful in recruiting. I was a great interviewer. I was friendly. I was responsible. It was a true pleasure. All these compliments just coming right out of her, you know, right directed at Erica. And, um, you know, so she's talking and talking. Finally, she just ran out of breath. But while she was talking, I could see Erica's she, her eyes are like darting around. She's trying to think of something to uh, come back to say. Uh, but, you know, she, she's talking to a person that she doesn't really know. There's other people around. You know, she's, she doesn't know what she should say and what she, but she has to kind of agree with something. You know, right, somebody's right, just complimenting right. her dad. And I'm, I'm standing there feeling very, you know, proud of myself. Because some of the things were even true that she was saying, not all of them, but anyway, some of them were true. <laughs> so, but I, I could tell that she wanted to say something sassy, but I, I figured, you know, there was no way that there was nothing. What could she do, Rob? She couldn't do anything. So, yeah. um, so, so, and it was really, I felt it felt good just to be complimented in front of all these coworkers. So finally, Debbie stops talking. And she takes a breath and Erica perks up, looks straight at Debbie and says in a sort of an upbeat fashion, yes, I've worked with him for a long time too. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great that was one. The one. That Boom. Was the, she picked out, she said, yes, I can agree with that. I've worked with him for a long time too. So anyway, that just broke up the whole group. And I just say to Phil, be your sincere self, you know, be your... <laughs> Don't don't do it like me and encourage this kind of behavior because now whenever she gets the chance she gives me a hard time which is you know I kind of enjoy in a way but um, I would recommend that as a parenting technique that Phil just stay with more with probably what his usual approach is is which is to be sincere and kind and uh, that'll get that'll that'll let him out of these individual situations right. that, that that happened to me. <laughs> So that's, that's I like that. Good I, story, I, and that's good. That's good. Uh, that's good uh, advice, Todd. I, I'm sure. Um, I'm sure you have a ton of uh, parental wisdoms out there too that uh, that you could share with everyone. So well, it's good I, that you can. 
I think that uh, if we're really uh, desperate during the winter, we can always have Erica on the podcast. <laughs> she, yeah. she could probably get, give you a good solid 10 minutes on, on some stuff. <laughs> I think that's that hysterical. Might, that might be entertaining for our audience. Maybe not for me, but anyway. <laughs> All right, let's close this out with a couple of pod decks. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. Would you rather appear as a guest on your favorite TV show Mm -hmm. Or, or have lifetime backstage passes for every concert you attend. Whoa, I think I take. What's your favorite TV show that you would that mm. you would want that of you would want to be a part of? My favorite TV show of all time. Well, I guess it's just if this is appearing as a guest, it must be your like your current one if you have one. But if you had to pick, what's your favorite show of all time? I mean, I just was just enthralled by the game of Thrones stuff, except for the ending, but, but that was my favorite show, I think. Um, so if I could, could have had a bit part on that, if you said you can have a bit part on, okay, I would have been that. You um, would definitely be, hold on a second. Let me, <laughs> you would have been, I think, part of the, the guys uh when when Daenerys was stuck oh the house of the undying oh yeah <laughs> you would have been that guy who keeps appearing left and right that guy no that I would guy have been who that. Gets, yeah yeah that's who who I peg you down or or as a disgruntled member of Castle Black who 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 just like was was just like you know you couldn't get over being there and you just were miserable about everything i think i would have been the guy that <laughs> that stood up uh and 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 when daenerys was was asking for people to support her and stood up and said i wouldn't do it and then she just had the dragon uh yes him and the been, son the father and son yeah, right and the son stood up with him and said yeah i'm with you dad and i was like boom that was boom. that was the end of them boom yeah, that, hey that was, have you how many times have you watched the last season? Just the once? Last, no, I only did it once because I was so disappointed with the last episode. Go, just, just, just go back. Just go back and watch yeah. it. I'm telling you, you might the have a different episode? perspective. You might have a different perspective. Okay, I, I don't know. Maybe I, I will eventually because I like the show so much. But um, I just okay. So you, so let's say you, you were on Game of Thrones or you backstage at every concert you are going to appear. For the rest of your life, I, I would go to these concerts. I mean, I think that'd yeah? be much more fun. Okay. Yeah, I mean, if okay. you could be backstage for almost any well any show that you wanted, that's what's your first pick? What's the first show that you're going to when you're going backstage? If I could, I would go to a Bruce Springsteen show. I think. All right, all right. The the, the boss is is uh, you like the boss? All right, does he does a great job? I saw him when he was quite early in his career and. He, he did a great show. I mean, he and he's just everybody that's seen him, I think, likes him. I'm, I'm sure you like him too, but he, that would be my pick. What would you pick out of those two things? Oh, since I since I'm a concert goer with my wife, I'm sure we we would pick the live show for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah backstage. I agree. That would be just phenomenal. I mean, if I could have just went backstage and talked to Eddie Vedder when I was. When yeah. I just saw him, I, I, yeah, I, I would take that, yeah, 100%, you know, talking about baseball and stuff like that, for sure, you know? All right. Go ahead. You ready? This is the last one. I okay. don't know if I asked you this one before, but creamy or chunky peanut butter? Ooh. Ho, ho, ho. It's a tough one. I, 
I'm not big on chunky. I'll go with creamy. Really? Oh, yeah. see there. Yeah, I would say like chunky would be my first pick overall. But you know, yeah. hey, listen, everyone's got their preferences. That's fine. Yeah, I, I, like- I I think I think they have its purposes for different things. I think if I yeah, want right. a quick if I want a quick spoon, like a little snack, I'm going yeah. chunky. But for right. a sandwich, maybe sometimes they go, you know, creamy. Yeah, because then you're combining with something else. You don't need the chunky peanut butter on it. Boom. You know? yeah, yeah, exactly, Todd. You're reading my mind there. So I agree with that. You know, if you if you're just having it by itself, maybe maybe then. Right. I um I like a good peanut butter sandwich. Sometimes I do bananas, uh, you know, and jelly. Sometimes because I'm I'm a guinea that grew up in Brooklyn. Um, <laughs> it's the go-to in school was Nutella and peanut butter. And uh, people might say, oh, wow, that's that's wild. And that's what everyone just say to me, even when I got older and I would have it like either like girlfriends or or, or my wife is like, well, what's that about? And it's like it's like a Reese's Pieces and a sandwich. It's, it's you know, it's hazelnut, chocolate and and, and <laughs> peanut butter. And it's it's just heaven. So um, when I was yeah. So when I was younger in school, that was usually in my in my bag. You know, again, kids were like, what's that? It's not peanut butter and jelly. <laughs> and uh, they just wouldn't know. I said, hey, listen, I'm a Goomba who lives in Brooklyn and this is what we eat. So, um, but yeah. So, all right, Todd, good stuff. I want to wrap this up. Time to go eat dinner and yes. uh, get prepped for the Yankee Red Sox playoffs yes. are here. Super excited. Um, yes. Again, and we'll, um, we are, um, I think I might get involved with the NFC uh, postseason. Um, okay. Hold them postseason thing so maybe if you do a team too maybe we'll kind of like recap that next week maybe how it's going and something was okay cool so uh boom we just made a new show you know we'll just made our next week's show we'll go into some strategy about how we got prepared for the you know the hold them tournament which is a pretty cool tournament if anyone wants to get involved if you go over the nfbc um you can pick one guy from every team in the first round um and then as the teams advance you get multipliers for how many weeks you've had a player. So if you had them exactly. in the first week and in the second week, their stats multiply. And then in, the, in that second week, you get to add a couple of guys to each team that moves on. Right. And then in the third week, if the, you know, if you have those guys that move from the second week to the third week, that's one multiplier. And if the, if you had the guy since week one, it's a double multiplier. So it's pretty right. cool if you want to head out there and check the rules. It's pretty interesting. I tried it last year. Um, I didn't do so well. I, yeah. I did two teams, I think, uh, tried two different strategies. So I think that's my first thing right now is trying to establish how I'm going to attack it. I usually like to do with any postseason kind of fantasy league or basketball or March Madness. Uh, I kind of like to uh, do my bracket per se first, look at who I think are going to advance and attack those teams. But um, that didn't work last year because (laughs) I picked the wrong teams to advance. So that can um, always happen. But And one thing to remember for people that want to enter is that it does not include the wild card round, as I remember. So, so you'll know who wins the first two wild card games and who's in the division series for all four, uh, you know, matchups. So I think it's not due until Friday, which is when the actual division series starts. Right. Um, so you have a few days to get ready. It's not like you have to have it by tonight or something. Correct. Correct. Cool. All right, Todd. Have right. a wonderful night. Tell everyone where they can find your work and where to yeah. find you on Twitter. So at Telstar7, I might do another article on spstreamer.com 
to sort of wrap up the fab analysis on some of the high dollar pickups. So look out for that. And, uh, you know, I just wish everybody uh, the best of, of luck over the off, off season. And I hope everybody comes back strong and ready to participate next year. It was a great year. And I really enjoyed sort of chronicling it for everyone to read. Absolutely. Well done, Todd. Thank you for hanging out with me and talking some baseball. And everyone have a good night. And I'll see you next week, Todd. Thank you. All right, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Poe Hitter Podcast. Make sure to keep tuning into the Poe Hitter Podcast all off-season long as we will be bringing on guests in the near future about talking about the, the season that passed and whether their teams have success or non-success and what led them to either good or bad results and also with an eye toward next year. So I'll get some guests on to talk about both at the same time and then at some point when last when the season recaps are done we'll just go full gear into looking at next year and player strategies play evaluations and roster construction strategies for uh, next year just as we did last offseason so we'll bring on some uh, some great guests who have been successful in either NFBC form and you know talk about their the success in a specific league or 12 teams or 15 teams or best ball. And, uh, you know, we'll just uh, be great conversation about roster construction and game theory and player evaluation. So, all right, folks, enjoy life uh, and don't be a bag of shit. <laughs>